The Night Shift, episode number 43 with Kyle Grimard and Mike Stubbs as we head into the final weekend of the regular season for OHL hockey as we gear up for the playoffs just around the corner. At Stubbs980 on socials, 2Bs, at Kyle Grimard, G-R-I-M-A-R-D, online and wherever you want to listen to podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, globalnews.ca as well. And Mike, we are gearing up to potentially see where the Knights are and who are the Knights are going to be playing in a playoff scenario. And well, really they, they control their own fate essentially for first place. They just have to take care of business. We're going to talk about that. Dale Hunter, who actually does a really good job, Mike on the essentials of, of practice and how he almost views it and utilizes it differently than virtually any other coach in the OHL. We're going to talk Luke Evangelista, uh, just another alumni and some other alums from the London Knights. And, and you had some conversations as well with uh, the play-by-play voice of the Windsor Spitfires, uh, Steve Bell. Yes, Steve celebrated 40 years doing Spitfires games. So stories, yeah, there have been some stories from the old Windsor Arena. We'll get into some of those. Steve and I were together on a game that we talked about earlier this year. When the Knights and the Spitfires met opposite the Super Bowl, the only game that went head-to-head with the Super Bowl was a regular season matchup in 1996 between the London Knights and the Windsor Spitfires. So we'll have to talk about that. And don't forget that Knights pre-sale is on until March the 28th because playoffs are now basically a week away. And they will start for the London Knights on March 31st and then continue on April the 2nd, and you can get tickets for either a lower bowl seat or an upper bowl seat or a club seat reserve. Now, it's first come, first serve, so get on that list as quickly as possible, and if there are tickets available in any of those zones, you're going to be able to get them. You go to LondonKnights.com right now, and that's available until March the 28th, so that's continuing, and we'll remind you about that a little later on, but look at this, Kyle. The Knights do, like you say, control their own fate, but it's almost like saying, okay, you can finish in first place in the Western Conference, but here is a thing of string and maybe uh, a hammer. Uh, Go and climb that mountain right over there. Just uh, don't worry that the string may not hold you. Don't worry that this hammer has seen better days. Here you go. It is not an easy road for the London Knights, but here's how it plays out. Windsor defeated the Guelph Storm on Wednesday. That means the Spitfires are four points ahead of the London Knights. They have two games remaining, and Windsor controls the tiebreaker of regulation and overtime wins. They already have that. So if the Knights finish first, it will be because they beat Windsor at home on Friday, March the 24th. They beat Windsor in Windsor, and they picked up at least a point the next day. So that's three games in three days against the Kitchener Rangers back on home ice. That is it. Beat Windsor twice and get at least one point out of the Kitchener Rangers, and first place is yours. Here's the string and the hammer. Happy climbing. Yeah, that's it makes it sound a lot easier said than done. But no, you're right. They do control their own destiny. And regardless, they are going to finish with a top two position. But, you know, every time in playoffs, if you have a chance 
to clinch a higher seed than where you are currently sitting. It's never a bad idea. And London has played Windsor well this year. So it's not far-fetched to think you just got to go in. If you can find a way to squeeze out victories in both and you can get a point out of Kitchener. I mean, it really sets them up for a potential to one play an eight seed instead of a seven seed, regardless of who that is. And then as you slowly get back to a, uh, if you move to the second round, then you have a chance to play the lowest seeded team that still remains and and all those things. And that's the difference between playing the Guelph Storm or the Owen Sound Attack as of right now, which of those two <laughs> seeds are. But if you just take the the top winners from all four, so let's say the top four teams all win in round one. Well, Lynn, uh, right now, London would have a date with the Sarnia Sting. Or if they find a way to leapfrog the Windsor Spitfires, they, they have a second round date with the Saginaw Spirit. That is a very different matchup in round yeah. two. And the fact that you get that home ice advantage yes. in a big series, every single one that you play all the way through the Western Conference. So that's a big carrot right there. And the Knights, Kyle, if we're to look at where their game has been at its best, I would say games against Sarnia and Windsor in the second half. We've seen the best of the best from the London Knights. We really have. We've even seen them go on the road into Ottawa, who is the OHL leading team right now with 101 points. They've clinched the conference, the division. They've clinched the league essentially as well. And London has gone into Ottawa on the second half of a, of a, of a back-to-back and shut them out. They are very capable of doing it. They've got the goaltending that's capable. They have the depth that's capable of doing it defensively. They have a lot of big names that if they play up to that level that we saw at one point this season, they can go in and match up and compete against the best of the best. Sarnia is on a run right now where they are 13, one and two. There was a stretch where London and Sarnia played, I think, three or four consecutive games that were decided by one goal. It's not like London, all these last couple of games, they haven't been themselves. They can't do it anymore. They are still very capable of doing it and have done it against the best teams in the league. Fascinating weekend to watch from the bottom of the conference as well. We know that Sault Ste. Marie and Erie are not going to be a part of the playoffs this year, but Flint right now, is in fifth place. They have 73 points. Fifth place gives you an opportunity to play the Saginaw Spirit. Saginaw is very good. They've been winning games, but they did trade away some of their best veterans. So you're dealing with a younger team, and you're dealing with a team that you won't want to deal with next year, but this is a club that maybe is a little bit easier to tangle with than if you finish in sixth and get the Sarnia Sting, and they've been the best team since the trade deadline. So that's a big, big thing that three teams are vying for right now. Flint has 73 points. They will go to Kitchener on Friday night. That's a massive game. Massive. The winner of that game kind of gets not necessarily a driver's seat. Flint would have a driver's seat toward clinching fifth, but Kitchener can make things really interesting if they beat the Firebirds and they can still finish fifth. Then Flint comes home to take on the Owen Sound attack. Kitchener will, again, play Flint, and then they finish up against the London Knights. They're two points back of the Firebirds. Right now, tied with Kitchener is Guelph. However, Kitchener owns the tiebreaker, so Guelph would need more points. Guelph will be home to Erie, and then they visit Saginaw. So those are winnable games for the Guelph Storm. And then the Owen Sound Attack actually have three games left, but they're all on the road. Owen Sound has 69 points, so they're two back of Guelph and Kitchener. They're four back of the Flint Firebirds, but they finish up at Sarnia, at Flint, 
at Saginaw. So I know that's a lot of data coming at you, but really what it means is we can't say, well, if this one thing happens, then these two teams are going to meet in the first round. We're coming down to the last weekend of the regular season. It's probably going to take until Sunday night to figure out all the matchups. Well, and every team is playing so well down the stretch as well. Windsor 6-3-3-0-1 in their last 10. Sarnia is on a 15-game th- point streak right now. Uh, you've got Saginaw right behind them who have won uh, six of their last eight games. Uh, Flint's 9-1 and one over their last 10. Kitchener 7-2-1. and one. Guelph 6-4 and four over the last 10. Every team is playing well down the stretch leading into the postseason. And I feel like, Mike, that's where we're going to change things here and talk about the London Knights. Because like we said, the London Knights right now aren't playing. They they had a run this year where they had picked up points. And I, what was it, Mike? Like 20, they'd won 22 of 25 games earlier on in the season. They were playing the best hockey they had played all season long. How does London get back to playing that way with the last three games of the regular season? You know what? I think their schedule does it for them. I think having a home and home with Windsor, because this is one of those shine the light on the game where it's Sarnia, where it's Windsor, where it's Ottawa. And while the Knights haven't won every single one of those games, they certainly have been in all of those games and they've won a good number of them, depending on how many of those games you want to put into this equation. So when that moment is there, this team has risen up and that moment is now there for the home and home. So I think that's big. The other thing that I look at, Kyle, is this past week. OHL teams don't tend to play a lot during the week. And that will, ask anybody, that will mix things up in the way that you ramp up for practice. The OHL has this luxury of a lot of games on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So if you have a two-game week, You'll play a Friday night and a Sunday. That will be ideal. Or maybe a Friday and a Saturday and have Sunday off. Or, hey, you have one of those three and three. They happen. But it's typically Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And that allows you to ramp up in practice as a week goes along. Now, there have been more midweek games for the London Knights maybe this year than in some past years. They had to fit some things in. They had a makeup game. This past week is the first full week of practice, Monday through to Thursday, that the London Knights have had since the week of January 30th to February 3rd, so end of January. So they are a team that now has had this week to ramp up for this weekend. And we had a chance to talk with Dale Hunter about a couple of things. How they handle practice and listen for him to talk about the fact that, you know, we've discussed this on on the podcast before. Dale Hunter is not a guy who's going to go into the dressing room after a game and talk about that game. He wants to give it time. He wants to he'll address his team, but he's not going to talk about things that happened in that game. He wants to see the video to make sure that what he saw with his eyes on the bench is the way that it actually unfolded. And he's been very diligent about that throughout his coaching career. However, listen for this, because Dale Hunter will take his team off the ice after practice and they will talk about practice. We're talking about practice, not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice and not the way Allen Iverson meant it. They will actually talk about practice who did well in practice, who didn't do well, and especially the young guys, then we'll go, ooh, he's turned the corner. 
Like this guy is showing some speed, put our top D on their heels. So definitely, you know, you see where, oh, he might do that in the game. Or you go out and you score a bunch of goals. Like and just the warm-ups. And you go, ooh, he's shooting better now. He's coming. He's coming. So, and uh, you can see where they're getting better. And they understand the D zone better. The old, just by overseeing it over and over again all year. By now, they're still kids. They're going to make mistakes. But now they know their own mistakes. Like we don't have to correct them. You know, they'll go right back. They don't have to look at the iPad. Yeah, that was, I should have been in that defensive position. And they don't, we don't have to even say it. Yeah, that should have been me. <laughs> you have watched the game develop and, and go through some changes. The amount of video that you end up watching, is the game still different? Are you still noticing new things? Yeah, you do. You know, like you watch the NHL games and we were watching the other night there that we take different stuff from. We, we changed our D zone a little bit, like the Boston Bruins. They've been successful and so just do a little bit of, you know, tweaking like that because they got the, you know, the best analytic department this and what's the odds of this happening so i think every junior coach will uh, steal drills steal ideas from nhl teams that is knights head coach dale hunter who we can also mention with a victory this weekend against either windsor in london or windsor in windsor or kitchener in london will hit 900 wins faster than any other ohl head coach and it will leave him seven victories away from the late Burt Templeton, who had such a phenomenal career behind all kinds of benches, benches involving the Fin Cups and the North Bay Centennials, lots of great rivalries between the London Knights and Burt Templeton. Dale Hunter would be seven victories behind Burt Templeton for second all time in behind only Brian Kilray. So that's another storyline wow. to watch this weekend. And other storylines, Kyle. Make us look toward the NHL. Dale Hunter was just talking about junior coaches implementing things that NHL teams will do. Well, how about what former OHL players, former London Knights are doing in the NHL? Can we start with Luke Evangelista? Oh, can we ever? It's so, it is, it's, it's funny. I'm getting to that point now, Mike, where I've been able to watch players throughout their entire tenure with the London Knights team and then go on to be successful in the national hockey league level. And That's Luke awesome. Evangelista, it is a blast to watch him. And you're just, you're proud to a certain extent to see the progression of a player. He went and he played with the, uh, the Admiral generals as well in the Nashville predators farm system. He tore it up there. He gets called up to the Preds and in 11 games, he, has five goals and four assists capped off by a four point performance earlier this week against the Buffalo Sabres. It, it's so funny because he struck, like he did not score a goal in his rookie year in the Ontario hockey league. Then all of a sudden he makes the big jump. He starts playing significantly better. He scores the 50 goal season and then he gets eventually moved up to the pros. He has an incredibly smooth transition into Milwaukee and then has an even smoother transition. And how does that work, Mike? Because you'd think that as the higher up you go in level, the harder it is for a player to adapt. Definitely should be. But here's the thing that some players will say, and it's going to sound strange, but it's easier to play in the NHL for some players. And you think, <laughs> no, that, that's impossible. It's the hardest league in the world. Yes, it is. It's still the hardest hockey league to play in in the world. But some hockey players will find it easier. And here's why. And Luke is a perfect example. When you think the game at a certain level, and you can find other people who think the game at that high level, when you go to make a pass, and let's face it, 
Things move quickly. You're not always passing to a stick. You're passing to where a stick is about to be because you know it's about to be there. Well, when you can think the game like other players at a high level, you know where they're going and their stick is going to be there, and your pass is going to be on their tape, and their pass is going to be on your tape. So you can think in your head, all right, if I give the puck to this guy, he's going to do this, I'm going to do this, he's going to know I'm going to do that, and then the play will happen. And that's Luke Evangelista. Somehow it's a little bit easier to play in the NHL. Plus, this guy's been a sponge for so long and plays the game not just to score goals, plays the game not just to defend. He is such a great mix of everything where he does so many things well, but he can do them well enough that it translates to production in the NHL at both ends of the ice. This guy's NHL career has begun. Welcome to the National Hockey League. Luke Evangelista is there for a while. He is going to be, and he is showing why he is one of the young, exciting prospects on that team. And as we go even further back into the Knights uh, alumni, we've got a couple players who are on marks from hitting milestone seasons. Matthew Kachuk, the first season with the Florida Panthers. We've seen players, Mike, involved in the trade with Calgary Flames and the uh, in the Florida Panthers who maybe have needed a little bit more time adjusting to it. Jonathan Huberto has taken some time. Johnny Goodrow over in Columbus having a decent season. Matthew Kachuk has not missed a beat, and he is now four points away from his second straight 100-point season. Yep, it's impressive. I had a chance to run into his dad, and we were reliving some memories of the <laughs> Memorial Cup run that Matthew Kachuk and the Knights were on in 2016. And just talk a little bit about his success. And it comes through hard work and family values and all of those great things, but a second consecutive 100-point season. And Matthew Kachuk is doing all he can to get the Florida Panthers into the playoffs. We'll see if it happens. And his old line mate, Mitch Marner, is now seven points away from tying his career best of 97 points in a year, making him 10 points away as we record this from 100 points, a milestone he hasn't hit, but let's face it, Mitch Marner's going to hit that at some point. We should also mention a couple of other London Knights or former London Knights. Seahill Panwar is still in the OHL, but yep. 49 points in 32 games for Hamilton. And Hamilton, if you're looking for a second team to watch in the OHL playoffs, Ben Bajol is there and Luca Testa is there and Sahil Panwar is there. And Hamilton really has a bunch of young guys with nothing to lose. And they may match up against the Peterborough Peets in the first round, a team that they traded veterans to and got back young players like Nick Lardis, who's been completely on fire, and like Sahil Panwar. And so this is going to be an interesting team to watch to see what damage they can do when they've got nothing to lose. And then J.J. Pickenich, who was also on that team with Matthew Kachuk and Mitch Marner to win the Memorial Cup. Congratulations to him. He led the Fjordcraft Ligaean in scoring 65 points in 45 games. Number one in scoring. In fact, the team that he was on, Sternen, had the top three scorers in the league. Pickenich was number one. They had number two and number three. And Kyle, here's hockey for you. They lost in the first round in a sweep. So they didn't win a playoff game. Now, Pickenich only played one of those games. I believe he was injured. So congratulations to J.J. Pickenich, but Sternen is out. And one other one would be Seth Griffith, who currently leads the Bakersfield hey. Condors in scoring. And it's really not close. He has 55 points in 61 games. 
and has been a sensational veteran for them. The next player down is Raphael Lavoie, who used to play in the QMJHL, was a big star with Halifax. He has 39 points. So Griffith leading the way for Bakersfield as we head toward the American Hockey League playoffs, too. Yes, we do. Uh, Seth Griffith, had just he was electric in a London Knights uniform. I remember going to an exhibition game when I was in college, Mike, and uh, and I went to an exhibition game. I went to a Knights game later on in my first year, and Knights were at home, and it was a classic Friday night game where the Knights won, I think, 7-3 or 7-4. Seth Griffith in that game, and I remember this very clearly, had two goals and four assists in this game. Every time he touched the puck, it was in the back of the net. Somehow, some way, he just he was that type of player for them. So good. So good. And it's translating at the American Hockey League level. He's had little bits in the NHL, but it's one of those things that that's you need a coach who will just say, yeah, that's my guy. Let's go. Because he has produced when he's been there, whether he's one of these players that maybe gets a shot later on in his career. We've seen it happen in Chicago. Who knows? That's uh, remaining to be seen. But right now doing very, very well with the Bakersfield Condors. Once again, don't forget about that night's playoff ticket pre-sale. It runs until March 28th. First come, first serve. Put down that you want to sit in a club seat. Put down that you want to sit in a lower bowl seat or an upper bowl seat. You don't usually get this option, this opportunity, because lower bowl seats are, are normally reserved and already purchased by season ticket holders. So this is your option. You can go to LondonKnights.com, and that lasts until March the 28th. And now, Kyle, let's finish things off with some memories as we gear up for the London Knights and the Windsor Spitfires, a home-and-home series that's going to go a long way to telling who wins the Western Conference regular season title this year, London or Windsor. Windsor basically needs a victory over the London Knights, and it's theirs. The Knights need to beat Windsor twice and then also need a point out of the Kitchener Rangers. But we sat down with the voice of the Windsor Spitfires, Steve Bell, who we got to congratulate right off the hop for 40 years of covering Windsor Spitfires hockey. That just means it means I'm old. <laughs> I think that's that's the bottom line. And, uh, I, you know, I mean, it's kind of hit and miss. Some people seem to think it was 40 years play by play. That That's not that's not accurate you know i came here hey i was a london guy for a while i went to fanshaw so uh but my first real job in radio was up in sudbury at ckso uh in in 1980 but i moved here as well i wasn't there long four or five months and uh and moved to windsor in, in 1980 so you know the initial couple of years here dave quinn who was a legend play by play guy big voice and real funny guy uh he did play by play and you know, I was always kind of taught at Fanshawe, even if the job's not yours, volunteer. And there's a lot of that in radio, a lot of, uh, hey, I'll do it for free. <laughs> so uh, I helped out. I did intermissions. I did color with them on some home games. Uh, a couple of games I, I filled in. I did PA, you know, the PA announcements down in the penalty box, which was, in a, you know, <laughs> quite an experience at the old barn here. But uh, then when, when Dave left in, I think, 1986, that kind of opened the door and since i already had one foot in 
and uh, nobody else wanted to make the bus ride to Sudbury or wherever. Uh, and it kind of opened the door for me. But there was a 10-year gap that Mike Miller did the games. Uh, I did home games for two years. I was so important at the radio station that they would not let me go on the road and, heaven forbid, miss a, miss a shift or two. I was that and I was thought if I'm that important, then why do I make like less than minimum wage? And I never figured that one. Not too bright. I never figured that one out either. But uh, so I did home games for a couple of years. And uh, one year, Lee Cunningham uh, did uh, did the road games. Another year, Greg Brady, uh, a, a London guy as well, uh, did uh, did the road games. So it's been over 40 years associated with the team one way or another. And uh, I don't know, likely. 25, 30, doing play-by-play, something like that. <laughs> well, you've done a brilliant job all the way along. At any time when you were doing PA stuff, did other people try and climb over you to get to people in different colored jerseys in the other penalty box? That, that used to happen. Uh, absolutely. And uh, <laughs> like I said, I was, I was uh, 22, 23 years old, uh, fresh out of college, and and uh, Kevin McGowan, who was the, the morning announcer here at the radio station, and another guy that had a big, low, you know, tremendous voice. He was he was doing the play-by-play in a game that he couldn't do uh, at the old barn here, Windsor Arena. He said, hey, do you want to fill in? You get a free cup of coffee and, and maybe a slice of pizza if you're lucky. And I said, sure. And uh, it was a game, uh, I don't know, it had to be 1982, 83, somewhere in there, early 80s. And it was uh, Spitz and, uh, and North Bay, not the... Uh, battalion but back in the day with the centennials and uh there was a couple of fights one todd gill was in the penalty box and i forget i don't know it might have been rob nichols somebody in north bay they had fought already you know can you imagine how it is they'd already had one or two fights that night <laughs> and in the penalty box they decided hey why don't we have another one right here and uh, and I, I think I likely moved quicker than uh, than anyone thought possible in these you know couple of big guys that were tough I uh, wanted to start throwing punches. I, I I'll bail out now. I'm not making any money, let alone not enough to get punched in the head by some tough 18 year old kid. So, uh, but that was back in the day. They come out of the box. Hey, if you want to go, we'll go. Hey, just leave your mitts here. What? Leave your stick and mitts in the box, and when we step back on, we'll have it. Oh. And, Nowadays, it would be 20 games. <laughs> Very different. The hockey that was played in the 80s and the 90s compared to today. We're talking with Steve Bell, the voice of the Windsor Spitfires. And Steve, we brought up earlier this year that the London Knights and the Windsor Spitfires, and I'm not sure how far back this will go, they might be the last game that went head-to-head with a Super Bowl. And we mean head-to-head. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I I wasn't too happy. That was, uh, I think, the year too. That uh, you know, for the night, so it, it was a tough year. I, I, you know, the three sixty and three. Old. Yeah, yeah. I was going to bring that up, but uh, but my niece. I have a few family members. Uh, my sister. They're Lo- they're London Knights fans. Uh, yes, my sister. They've got the jerseys home away. They've got it all. My niece and uh, they were at that game. Um, and I, I wasn't overly amused thinking, oh my God, we're here in London. It's Super Bowl. And, and like you said, not like a one o'clock, two o'clock game. The game's over at 4 30. Uh, nowadays, you could watch the game on the way home in the bus anyway. But, uh, but no, I, I wasn't overly happy with the, uh, with the fact that the Knights were playing. I think at the time it must have been the, uh, the Ice House as opposed to my first game ever uh, going to a junior game. And I still remember it like yesterday. And yes, yes, I was a little bit of a Knights fan back in the day. The first game I ever went to, 
uh, was in London a Sunday night against the Peets. And it was a while ago, I always say, because the captain of the Knights uh, <clears throat> was Daryl Sittler. Nice. <laughs> hey, I told you I was old, man. No, 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 no. That this is this is well read. That's what it is. You don't get old. You just oh, get right. more and more well read. We're talking with Steve Bell, the voice of the Windsor Spitfires. Steve, when you look at games at the Windsor Arena, how much was hockey and how much was other stuff? That place was magical for other stuff. Yeah, I, I remember too. Uh, you know, among other, I mean the. The Jeff Kugel incident, uh, Greg Smythe of the Knights uh, jumping into the Spitfire bench uh, when there were several. I remember one night going to uh, the old barn and uh, getting there early. I was uh, just doing the color at the time. I wasn't doing play-by-play. And uh, during warm-up, there was a brawl between the Spits and the Knights, jerseys everywhere. Again, this would have been early 80s, 82, 83, somewhere in there. And, uh, and we jumped on the radio early. Uh, way ahead of the pregame just to inform people, hey, if you don't have tickets, you want to get down here to the old war memorial <laughs> because, uh, you know, basically all hell's broken loose. We just had a brawl. And that was in the day. There were no linesmen out. They broke it up when you you needed stitches. I had a black eye. And we'll, we'll set. Then, of course, the next night they play in London. There'd be one tripping minor or something. <laughs> but, uh, but a lot of incidents. I remember once on opening night, the Knights were in here uh, for an opening night of the season, I think it was. Was, and the radio station gave me some tickets. Uh, I did a remote broadcast uh, prior to the game out in the parking lot of uh, of a store next door to the old barn. And we had uh, I had Don Brankley, God rest his soul. I had Branks come over and uh, and join me in the interview. And uh, and for the the fans that hated Don Brankley and. And, of course, they called him Waterboy down here for many years. Uh, they had to come over and be nice to, to Don Brankley to get a couple of free tickets to the game. And it was tough on some of the locals. But but Branks would say, hey, this is I love this building. He said, coming in here, he said, they have to, it's the only building in the OHL. He said that they have to flunk an IQ test to be allowed in the building. <laughs> so... So, uh, but it was all, then he kind of wink at me, but, uh, but yeah, the characters, uh, some of the situations, the stories, um, we'd likely all be suspended. Uh, was, was a game actually <laughs> suspended because of a falling squirrel one time? Was there a squirrel that fell uh, from that, the Raptors? No, 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 no. That was just a minor delay. Uh, Rocky, the squirrel took an awful tumble onto the ice out of the rafters at the old barn. It would be amusing because you'd see the sometimes up in the rafters, Hey, squirrel better than rats. But the squirrel be running across the beams, and I guess he lost his footing or heart attack, something or other. Down goes Rocky the squirrel, and uh, I think it was Adam Graves that went out and kind of, oh, well, shoveled him up, uh, cleaned that up a little bit. Okay, we'll face it off down in the neutral zone here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Beller, we can tell stories about these two clubs and about years gone by for a long time, but let's face it, there is a home-and-home coming up where Windsor can clinch first place in the West, where the London Knights are trying to keep them from doing that. The Knights still kind of control their fate to finish first in the West. It would take two wins over the Spitfires and a point out of the Kitchener Rangers. But tell us how Windsor has been playing of late and what to expect this weekend. I don't know. I mean, uh, last uh, last Saturday night in the Sioux, the ninth-seeded Greyhound steamrolled the Spits 8-2. to two. Uh, Do you want that story or uh, some of the others when the Spits? When the Spits are playing at their best, they're uh, unlike, I think a lot of people still think, you know, Windsor's a blue-collar town, and it is, uh, that the team, the team is not that 
that style of team at all. This is uh, maybe the least physical Spitfire team I've ever seen. Uh, but they're built on speed. They're built on skill. Guys like Matthew Maggio and Alex Christopoulos, Shane Wright. They're not uh, an overly physical or tough team, that's for sure. They'll try to beat you with speed and skill. And when they're rolling, they're they're pretty fun. They're pretty exciting to watch. Um, to be honest, goaltending's been a little bit of a question mark. It looks like uh, the kid, Joey Costanzo, uh, has kind of grabbed the, the spot away from the former knight, Matt Anishka. To, to likely be the starting goaltender, uh, I would think. Um, now, I don't know about Friday night in London just because, you know, it's back-to-back games here, so I'm not exactly sure which tender will play. And although the coaches hate to use it and they never bring it up, that I think it's 148 man games lost with injuries, and, and, they, and that's been tough. They've been able to get or stay on top of the standings despite a lot of key injuries, A.J. Spellacy likely done for the year, uh, Ryan Abraham likely done for the year. Uh, right now, Liam Greenfrey, likely the best rookie in the OHL this year. Uh, he may be back, maybe even this weekend, I don't think so, has an eye injury that he suffered in the game against Kitchener. He'll likely be back uh, for the playoffs. But but uh, the game should be fun, no, no question. Uh, these two games, uh, back-to-back, uh, the Spits in London should be really good hockey. Looking forward to it. Beller, thanks for taking the time for us. Hey, anytime, guys. That is Steve Bell, the voice of the Windsor Spitfires. Stories of the Windsor Arena and a little preview of what the Knights can expect going up against the Spitfires this weekend. And Kyle, on our next podcast, we're going to be able to break down playoff matchups. We're going to break down playoff matchups, storylines to look into, players who are going to be X-Factors in the series, and a whole lot more. I can't wait for it. Enjoy the end of the regular season and this coming weekend. We are back to preview and a whole lot more. You can listen to previous episodes leading up to the postseason on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts, as well as Megaphone. You can find us on social media at Stubbs980 with two Bs, at Kyle Grimard, G-R-I-M-A-R-D. Mike, we will see you over the course of the weekend, and next week, we're talking playoffs. Can't wait.